Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our In the World, Not of It series, which walks through the book of 1 Corinthians, showing how we are citizens of a better country. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. 1 Corinthians 15, and <clears throat> we are uh, continuing our study. We're actually almost done with our study in the book of of 1 Corinthians. And I hope that maybe you've learned something. I know that I've learned a lot as I've studied out this series. And I actually, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians was the um, the very first preaching series that I ever did uh, when I was brand new into ministry uh, with teenagers. And I remember Hannah and I, of course, graduated college, and I went on staff uh, in Lakewood, and, uh, and I, I was like, I want to preach through a book of the Bible. And so I preached a series, and I actually, I think I titled it In the World, Not of the World as well. Uh, and I had the little cartoon characters as my background for uh, um, little aliens from like uh, the... Um, Bugs Bunny and all that stuff. Marvin the Martian. How I many you know Marvin the Martian? I had him on there, I think. Uh, this is all just coming to me right now. And uh, has nothing to do with the message this morning. But um, I have no idea where I was going with it. Anyway, I preached it a long time ago. And I, oh, that's where I was going. I've learned so much more. Now I look back at my notes uh, from those days. And I was like, man, that was just... It was horrible. I mean, if I, if I was a teenager, I'd be like, man, this guy is an idiot. You know, what does he know? And uh, that's where I was going with this. I'm so thankful uh, that we have a youth pastor who's not an idiot. And uh, uh, where'd Robert go? Robert disappeared. He's always taking some pictures, doing some things. Um, but I want to say this real quick. We have a youth meeting for all of the parents and teenagers right after church this morning about the summer calendar and the year calendar. And so for all the, all the families with teens, listen, we have, we have a, a couple in Robert and Beth that God is using them to reach teenagers and they have a heart for teens. And Rob is a student of the word of God that teaches and invests God's word into our teenagers. And so I just wanna encourage you parents that have kids in that youth group age, uh, let your kids, let your teenagers get plugged in and plug them in, help them be plugged in. You say, well, we don't have time for it. Hey, make time for it. Listen, God's word is more important than soccer and basketball and wrestling. M- most, of, most of the young people today that spend all of their time in sports and all of that type of stuff, uh, this, is, this is a mini message this morning, all right? Most of the people that spend their time all in that thinking, I'm gonna go professional in it, it's not gonna happen. So I'm saying like, it's good to have sports. It's good to do some of those things. But listen, in, in 25 years, your teenager is gonna be more thankful that you as a parent invested God into them instead of investing a sport into them. And so just, I just wanna say, you parents, that maybe your, your kids aren't there yet. When your teenagers, when your kids hit those teen years, man, have them in church, have them plugged in, get them around a godly youth pastor and a godly youth pastor's wife that's gonna pour Jesus into them. And, and I, I, I'm telling you, in 25 years, you're not going to look back with regret and think, wow, I wish I would have had them in two more soccer leagues. I just wish they would have played ball, uh, you know, two more nights a week. You're not going to wish that. And so I just want to encourage you with that. For those of us that, for those of you that don't have teenagers, you know what you can do is you can pray for our teens. Man, they are facing a different culture than what many of us grew up in, aren't they? Man, they're facing that. And we as, we as um, uh, adults and, and, and uh, folks who want to invest in teens, I just want to say, man, pray for them. The devil is after them, and the devil is after this generation, probably like no other generation before, uh, because, of, because of the potential that this generation has for the cause of Christ. And so I just want to say, uh, if you would, let's be praying for our teenagers and be thankful for our super cool youth pastor. Robert just walked in. Rob, stand up back there. And I, I'm, you missed what I said about you, Robert. I said that you weren't an idiot, and, uh, and that was a good thing. Um, but let's be praying for our teens. And again, if you have any teens in the, uh, in the youth group, be at that meeting right afterwards. All right. Well, 1 Corinthians 15, we're going through this study. We have this message and two more right after this, and then we'll be done with the series. If you've been with us throughout the study, then you'll know Paul writing this letter to the believers at the church at Corinth, those whom many that he, many of whom he had led to Christ himself and had invested in. And of course, Paul 
was one that had a great burden to see anybody that he, had, uh, that he had reached. Paul had a burden to see them grow in the Lord. He understood and knew what we need to know, that salvation is just the beginning. Hey, once you trust Christ as Savior, God doesn't say, okay, great, now you're saved, I'm done with you. Once you trust Jesus Christ as Savior, God says, now I wanna use you. I wanna impact your life, and I wanna use you to impact the people around you. And, and Paul knew that. And so what did Paul do? Paul, he stayed in Corinth for uh, 18 or for uh, uh, yeah 18 months, a year and a half. He stayed there, investing Jesus into all of the believers that were there. And God would use Paul for a number of months and years, really, in the lives of the believers at Corinth. Paul would leave. We know this. He would come. He would leave, and he would receive word that the church was not doing very well. After he receives word that the church isn't doing very well, he writes to them and. His first letter, we don't have a record of, but Paul would write a second letter to them, and that's the the book or the letter of 1 Corinthians. In the first six chapters, Paul addresses a number of issues with them, a number of things, sinful things going on, and and, uh, um, uh, sin being excused within the church and within their personal lives. From chapter 7 all the way to chapter number 15, Paul then answers questions, a lot of questions. One of the questions that he's answered recently is the question about the resurrection of Christ. Remember, we read this last week. Paul wrote, he said this, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Remember, there were some people who were, um, they were influencing the believers of the church at Corinth to think that there is not life after death, that no resurrection takes place. And so if no resurrection takes place, then Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead. And what Paul writes to them, he kind of, if you were, if you were here and you remember it, he played the what if game with them. The what if game was, well, if the resurrection didn't happen, then you're dead in your sins. Your religion, your faith is vain. It's empty. Your, uh, your hope is not there. And you in this life are of, most, of all men, you're most miserable in this life. But what Paul did and what we took time to see the last two weeks is Paul took time to say, but the resurrection did happen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ did take place. As a matter of fact, last week we saw that the resurrection, it is foundational for what we believe. If the resurrection didn't happen, then it's pointless for us to be here today. The resurrection was foundational. It was validated. Jesus was seen above 500 people, uh, many of them whom were still alive at the time of this writing. It was validated. The resurrection is critical, right? The resurrection is critical Because if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then there is no forgiveness of sin. And there is no restoration with God. It's critical. The resurrection brings hope. Remember, we talked about that last week, the the hope knowing that since Jesus rose from the dead and will reign and rule one day, that for those that believe in him, they have the hope that they too will reign with Christ one day. And not the hope of, ooh, look at me, I'm super powerful, but no, the hope of heaven and the hope of eternal life and the hope of, of eternity with God. And then we looked last week at the thought that the resurrection is motivational. That the resurrection should cause us to step away from sin, right? Verse 34 and 35, he said, uh, be not deceived, evil communication, or 33 and 34, evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to, their sh- to your shame. Remember Paul said last week to these believers, he said, hey, listen. Hey, there's people around you that they don't know the resurrection. They don't have that knowledge, but you have it. And if you really believe it, it's going to change how you approach people and how you approach your life. And I'm going to get way ahead of myself this morning, but that's actually where we're going to end up again today. Is this simple thought that Paul brings out in these 58 verses that, that, well, we've broken them up to 58 verses in 1 Corinthians 15. The simple thought that Paul tries to bring out to them is this. If Jesus really rose from the dead, it should change how you live every day. 
If Jesus Christ really rose from the dead, it should change how you approach your relationships and how you approach your friendships and how you approach your faithfulness to God, how you approach church attendance. Hey, if he rose from the dead, it really should change everything in your everyday. As we come back to 1 Corinthians 15 this morning, I wonder who here is like me and you, you be honest, you don't like change. My wife and I were talking this last week and, <coughs> excuse me, there's probably all of us that don't like some area of change. But this last week, Hannah and I were talking about something and, and she laughed because I made a comment about change in something and she laughed and, and looked at me and, and I knew what she was thinking. And I, I almost just, you know, men, we like to think we know what they're thinking all of the time. We don't, like 99% of the time. This was 1% of the time that I, was, I knew I, I was correct. Because as she kind of snickered, I said, what? You, something along the lines of, so I don't change quickly. It's okay. And she laughed and she said, honey, she was like, you hate change. And in my mind, I'm like quoting scripture. Well, the Bible says meddle not with them that are given to change. That means I'm biblical. I'm not given to change. You know what? All of us, we don't, all of us to a certain degree, we don't like change. That's why many of us, you have the same habits in the morning. You drive the same way to work. You take the same way to church. You order the same thing at the restaurants. You, you know, you go, I'm that. I go, to Michael's, I go to Michael's Bistro. You know what I get every time I go to Michael's Bistro? Southwest chicken salad. That's what I get every time. If I go to, if I go to um, uh, Red Door, you know what I get? I get the usually soup and salad or a, a soup and a, um, a sandwich. I build my own sandwich. You know, it's on that build my own. Ham, turkey, all the fixings, and it's on a uh, croissant roll. That's what I get. You wanna know what kind of coffee I get right now? Oat milk latte, just about everywhere I go. At home, you wanna know what I do? I, put, I get up in the morning, I put the exact, I mean, I use, I use the same coffee mug, like all the time. Somebody got me a coffee mug for Christmas and one of my kids broke it already. That, you know what that tells me? I need to use the same coffee mug still. We don't like change. But isn't it interesting that oftentimes, many of us, even though we don't like change, many of us can sense when change is coming. You can sense it. Uh, think about the changing of the seasons. Right now, it's cold outside. But in like a month and a half, two months, we're going to get into March and one morning, I mean, I can probably, I don't think I can guarantee it, but more than likely somebody in your house is gonna walk outside and they're gonna go, I can smell spring. The changing of the season is coming. How many of you know that what I'm talking about? The changing of the season in spring and then you get the summer that maybe you, you get the, the weather starts to change, it gets a little bit nicer and they're gonna, from springtime to summer, someone's gonna say, oh, it's changing to summer, it's getting hotter and then summer to fall and fall to winter. We can just kind of sense that, that change is coming. Every election year, politically, listen, every election year, politically, people try to, try to forecast what change will come. And everybody knows, no matter who wins, even if the person who is in political office wins again, we all know some sort of change is coming. We can sense it. You know, we can sense when change is coming physically, and we need to know that changes always take place. Ask any teenager. Changes come. Ask any married couple in their married life. You know what? Changes come in different seasons of life and challenges change in different seasons of life. Change happens physically, relationally, emotionally. But we also need to know that change is coming spiritually. There's a change coming to you 
and to me that if you know Christ as your Savior, this change is inevitable. It is going to take place. And this is what Paul writes about as we wrap up the idea about the resurrection truly happening. And this morning, we're gonna go from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35, all the way down through verse number 58. But I wanna start with one simple verse. One verse, and that verse is 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 51. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 51. Paul says this. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Years ago, Hannah and I were at a church and we were looking through their different rooms. And I've seen this at a few churches since then, but many uh, churches have this verse written up in their nursery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I just want to tell you, that's not what this verse is talking about. No, this morning, we're going to look and discover that Jesus Christ did raise from the dead. And since he rose from the dead, we shall not all sleep. We're not going to remain dead. No, we will all be changed. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, change is coming. Let's pray and see what we mean with this thought this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take just a minute and would you pray and ask God to to speak to your heart? Would you pray and ask God, God, would you please help me today to hear from you? And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me today, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to respond to you today. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your care. We thank you for the passage before us. And God, I pray that you would help us as we go through the scripture tonight or this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to receive and to hear exactly what you have for every one of us. God, I humble my mind and my heart to you today and my voice and my actions, Lord, that you would be glorified in everything that is said and done, that your spirit would have freedom to work through me into each of our hearts today. And Lord, we pray that as we, as we make our way through 1 Corinthians 15, that you'd remind us again of the challenge that the resurrection should bring into each of our lives. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read last week, again, what I stated a few minutes ago, that Paul did the what-if game with them. What if Jesus did not raise from the dead? The fact of the matter is this, that if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, Paul said that the preaching of the gospel is, is vain, it's empty, it's of no use. Not only is the preaching of no use, but you and I saying we have faith is pointless. Someone gathering to worship God is pointless. You are still dead in your sins if Christ is not risen from the dead. You have no relationship with God, no forgiveness, no acceptance with Christ, no comfort. You have nothing that Paul has written to these believers about. And I don't know if you've been here and paid attention to the series, but in 1 Corinthians 15, there's some very encouraging things about knowing Christ and about the hope that we have and about the acceptance in the Lord that we have. And I don't don't know that this would maybe affect us that much because we know the resurrection did happen. But if Jesus really didn't raise from the dead, then none of that is true. And it's all pointless. And Paul, he very, very, uh, I think dramatically tries to get this across to them of, of like, okay, let's say you're right. Let's say Jesus didn't raise from the dead. And he just goes down this line. But I love what he says in verse number 20 when he says that phrase, but now is Christ risen from the dead. And he has become the first fruits of them that slept. Hey, there are people teaching that Jesus didn't come raised from the dead, but I want you to know that Jesus did raise from the dead. And since he rose from the dead, everything that I have written to you, it is true. And everything that I have written about, it has been validated. 
And as Christ comes to, or excuse me, as Paul comes to this last thought this morning, we need to know and be reminded again that since Jesus Christ rose from the dead, there is life after death. Hey, death is not the end. For the believer, death is the beginning. And what Paul writes to them is that because of the fact that there is life after death, change is coming. Well, what kind of change, Paul? Well, first, Paul highlights that there is physical change coming. Speaking about our physical body, a spiritual change that will take place for our physical body. Go, if you will, to verse 35. Down through verse number 53, a large chunk of this passage. I want to read it and then we'll give some thoughts on this. Paul said this. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may uh, chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him. And to every seed, his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory, so also is the resurrection of the dead." It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It, the body, is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown or planted a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And the last Adam, or referring to Jesus, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. You ever had a teacher, (coughs) excuse me, you ever had a teacher say to you, there are no dumb questions? You ever had a teacher say that? Well, Paul is contradicting that teacher in this passage. Go back to verse 35. Don't you see what Paul says right as he starts? When he says, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? What's the next two words? Thou fool. (laughs) You know what Paul is saying? That's a stupid question. Your teacher told you there are no dumb questions. There's one right there. Well, why is that a dumb question? Well, Paul knew that there were going to be some Remember, we have to remember the context. Context matters. We have to remember this, that the influence that was influencing some of the believers of the church, they were not just saying that Jesus did not raise from the dead. They were saying that there is no resurrection, that there is no life after death. And yet they were teaching baptism for the dead and they were teaching penance and they were, not penance, that would be years later, but uh, forms of it in the Greek mythology to gods and different things. They were teaching things that contradicted their own thoughts. And so Paul knew there's going to be some among you that say, oh, okay, if there's a resurrection from the dead, well then how does a body come up out of the ground that has been decaying or decayed? 
How does somebody, let's say, who got burned by fire and there's ashes all over, how is their body going to be made new? And Paul writes and says, that's a foolish question. And then he uses the idea, the example of a seed, of a seed being planted. And we're not going to go through and highlight every little verse, but basically Paul says this, when you plant a seed, you don't expect that same seed to come up out of the ground. You don't do that. What do you do? You expect that seed to produce life. And that life comes up out of the ground. Does that make sense? Well, what has to happen to the seed? That seed dies. That seed, as a seed, no longer exists. Now there's continuity, and the plant that comes up produces like that seed, but that seed is not what comes up. Does that make sense this morning? And here's what Paul is saying to them. He's saying, it's the same with your body. And I'll just jump right to it this morning. When you and I die, this body gets buried and this body will decay. But when the resurrection of the dead happens, when the rapture takes place, this body is not going to come up as this body. I'm going to be made new. Do you know what's going to happen when you die? You and I are going to be changed and get a new body. Well, what's it going to look like? I don't know. Were you going to have some of the same features? I don't know. The Bible says that we are going to know and be known as we are upon the earth. So I think there's going to be some similarities. So there's going to be some continuity of this seed, but this seed is not going to spring up out of the ground. It's a new body. And that's what Paul is saying all there. He's saying, hey, the natural man, this flesh is going to be planted and a spiritual body is going to be raised again from the dead. Hey, you know, one of the hopes of heaven, one of the hopes of heaven is that we get to shed this flesh. Hey, this flesh is what is bound in sin. Hey, you, you were born in sin, and that's what he talks about. The first Adam, the first Adam, you were conceived in sin. Every single one of us, from Adam all the way to us, we are born in sin. We have sin in this flesh. We fight sin daily, and we cannot and we will not have complete power and victory over the flesh until we get a new body. And the first Adam carried with him sin, but the second Adam, which is Jesus, carries with him eternal life and completion and a whole body. And what Paul is trying to get across to them is this, hey, there's going to be some among you that are going to say, oh, so that physical body is being raised again? No, Paul says to them. A seed that is planted, the seed dies, and what comes up is new life. Did you know you and I can't actually live in heaven? We couldn't be in heaven in this body. We can't. Why? Because heaven is a place of perfection, right? There is no sin in heaven. Revelation teaches that. Well, if we live in this flesh and our flesh could go to heaven, then there's sin in heaven. But there's not. There's not sin in heaven. And so here's what Paul is trying to help them understand. He's trying to help them understand the fact that today we have a natural body, a body that is suited to an earthly environment. But when we get to heaven, we're going to have a body that is suited to that heavenly environment. I love how one man put it. He put the only way that we can enjoy the glory of heaven is to have a body suited to that environment. Hey, listen, you know what change is coming? Change is coming that you're going to receive a new body. No more aches and pains. Hey, no more sicknesses. Hey, no more, no more uh, uh, disease. No more cancer. 
No more COVID-19 or COVID-20 or 21. No more Delta variant or Omicron variant or United variant or Southwest variant or Alaska variant or whatever variants they're going to come out. They're all airlines except for Omicron. Anyway, <coughs> listen, there's no more sickness. There's no more pain. Isn't it interesting that once your body hits a certain age, your body starts screaming at you? For some of you, it's not screaming. It's like on a megaphone. Others of you, it's already purchased a loudspeaker and just blares in your, vo- your ears every morning. Man, I realized probably, uh, of course, I had my knee surgery. I think I was 32 or 33 when I had my knee surgery. And I think it was right around that time that I remember waking up thinking like, man, last year I didn't feel like this. And now I, I'm still, I feel, I, I think I'm young, but I, I, I know that I'm getting older, but you know what? Every day, man, it's almost like monthly. There's a new pain somewhere. And I, I you know, I used to wake up. Isn't it interesting? We, we, we kind of, once you turn like, I think they say statistically, it's like 22 to 26. After that, you, in your mind, you remain 22 to 26 for years. Like thinking, oh, I could still do that. I could still, you know, for me, it was like, I could still play ball. I can outrun my kids. I can, man, now my son's teaching in junior church. I would not say this if he was up here right now. But now I'm like, dude, you're gonna be stronger than me in just a couple years. And I'm telling him, I'm gonna be able to take him when I'm 40. Yeah, thank you, Roland, for the faith. I don't even have that much faith in me right now because we'll start wrestling some days and I'm like, oh, man, we gotta stop, man. I'm hurting, you know, man, I'm, I'm sore. I think I pulled a muscle, like this hurts. You know what? You know what heaven has? A new body. I don't have to deal with that anymore. And I know for some people who have been in church for a long time, we can like look at this point and be like, okay, so what, a new body? No, that's a miracle. It's miraculous. And here's what Paul is saying to them. He's saying, hey, listen, listen, when you trusted Christ as Savior, since Jesus rose from the dead, you too will raise up and you'll have a new body. And the Bible says it'll happen in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. The dead in Christ, they're gonna rise first. And then we which are alive and remain, we shall be caught up together with the Lord. First, first Thessalonians, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hey, if you're alive when the rapture takes place, oh, let me tell you right now, regarding prophecy, regarding prophecy, there is no prophecy that needs to be fulfilled for the rapture to take place. There's no prophecy. Did you know, you know what that means? That means it can happen right now, or right now, or right now. Man, that trumpet could sound in the, moment, in, a, in the twinkling of an eye, man, faster than a split second. Our bodies will be made new, and we'll be with him forever. Hey, change is coming. There's a physical change, and we will receive a new body, but I love how Paul summarizes it when he says in verse 53, this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. Hey, I hope you're looking forward to a new body, living with Christ in heaven for eternity because change is coming. There's a physical change, but I want you to know also there's a positional change. There's a positional change. Notice, if you will, verse 54 through 56. Paul says this, so in this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. Verse 57, we're going to be at it in just a second, but it says this, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul brings out in this thought is because of the resurrection of Jesus, because he did raise from the dead, we have victory. Victory over what? 
everything, but specifically over death. Many of us have been around somebody, a godly person who is passing from this life into the next. I'll never forget sitting by the bed of Sam Stewart. And Miss Anita and I have talked much about that, about that time back in 2018. And I'll never forget the peace that Sam Stewart had. Like, I will never forget it. I'll never forget the peace that, that Don Honeycutt had. Many of you might remember Marlene Sutton. Mrs. Sutton uh, went home to be with the Lord years ago. And Mrs. Sutton used to sit right over here and uh, she was the one that it was, it was her walker, Helen, that I gave you right around the auditorium. Wasn't that it? I made Helen sit down on, on uh, Mrs. Sutton's walker and then I tipped it back and I just ran around the auditorium and Mrs. Honeycutt's going, oh, stop, stop. It was great. Anyway, man, Mrs. <coughs> Excuse me, Mrs. Sutton, the night she passed, uh, we were up in Wenatchee and I was up there in her hospital room and she had kind of been in a comatose state for a while and Mrs. Sutton was right there and uh, her son and I, both about the same time, we just kind of looked at each other and he said, hey, pastor, and I was looking right at him and we both said, let's pray. And we started praying and then Mrs. Sutton, she just went, and she was gone. And, and her passing was just in peace. My wife and I, years ago, were at the bedside of uh, Miss Carolyn Munyon. And Miss Carolyn Munyon, I will never forget this. Miss Carolyn Munyon, she and her husband, they had years and years, I mean, probably, what, 55 or 60 years of ministry? Was it about that? I mean, just missionaries for years, helped Christian radio stations for years. And then they retired. And when they retired, they became the... Um, housekeeping for our church in Lakewood. And they became on staff at like 85, 86 years old, cleaning the church every week. They wanted to. And we, my dad like had to make, make them receive a paycheck. They were like, no, we just want to give our time. And he's like, whatever, we're going to pay you for this if this is going to be your job. And every week, Carolyn and Dean Munyon, every week cleaning the church, Many times, four to five days a week, they'd be in cleaning some area of the church. Well, Mrs. Munyon, she was passing, and Hannah and I went to see her. And we were there, and her husband, Brother Munyon, Dean Munyon, he said, he looked over and he said, um, he said, hey, Carolyn loves to hear you guys sing. Would you guys just sing? And we both, we said, well, yeah, what, what song? What song was it? You remember? Great is thy faithfulness. He said, we'll sing great is thy faithfulness. So I pulled up the words on my phone and we started singing great is thy faithfulness. And Carolyn, Mrs. Munyon, she had not spoke or really been alert for quite a few days. And we started singing that and I'm, I'm, I can close my eyes and I can still stand there right by her bedside. Hannah's right here, Carolyn's right there. And we're singing, and I'm not lying. Carolyn Munyon popped up, and she started singing with us. But she wasn't with us. Like, she wasn't looking at us. She was looking dead ahead, and she's just singing away. And we got done singing, and then she just put her head back, and we left, and we got a call just, I think, a few hours later the next day. Carolyn Munyon had slipped to be with the Lord. Hey, that's a different death than what a lot of people experience. You know why? Because for the believer, death is the beginning of new life. And here's what Paul is saying. Hey, since you have Christ, you have victory to look forward to. Because you know what heaven is gonna be? Heaven is that final stamp of the victory that we need in our salvation. Did you know that your salvation is not complete? Oh, right now you're saved for eternity, but you're not saved from the presence of sin. Right now, you and I, we don't have victory over the flesh 
like accept through Jesus Christ helping us every day. But one day you'll have victory forever over sin because of Christ. Paul wrote it this way in 1 Thessalonians. We quoted the verse a minute ago. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, we shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds. And so or to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, I love verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. It is comfort to know that right now in this life, we live under the curse of sin, but one day we will live victorious. We live defeated right now. We live bound in the flesh. We live uh, with the hope of eternity, but we are not there yet. But one day there will be a positional change that we will be in victory eternally because of Jesus Christ. And because of Jesus, we can have victory. And Jesus said this in John 14, 19, because I live, ye shall live also. We are not victorious because of ourselves. We are victorious because of him. Sigmund Freud, the founder of uh, psychiatry, he wrote this. And finally, there is the painful riddle of death for which no remedy at all has yet been found, nor probably ever will be. You know what that is? That's hopelessness. Hey, if you know Christ, Jesus rose from the dead. One day there will be physical change and one day there will be complete positional change. That's where Jesus said, because I live, you too will live. Man, I'm looking forward to that positional change. I am looking forward to no longer living in this flesh. I'm looking forward to no longer battling this flesh. I'm looking forward to no longer dealing with discouragement and doubt. I'm looking forward to no longer dealing with that fight of should I get up and spend time with the Lord or no, just a few more minutes. I'm looking forward to that fight of of fighting that anger and bitterness and frustration. Hey, I'm looking forward to no longer having that fight. I'm looking forward to the day, positional change. We read this morning about physical change, about positional change. But lastly today, I wanna say that really, Really, there should be practical change taking place every day. Look with me at our verses, verse 57 and 58. We read these words, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you were with us in 2020, you'll remember verse number 58 was our theme. Steadfast was the statement. But in verse 54 through 56, we see that we have positional change and we will have victory in heaven. But verse number 57, we are told that we currently have victory through Jesus right now. Verse 57 literally means this, but thanks be to God who keeps giving us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 54, 55, and 56, Paul talks about the victory of this corruption putting on incorruption and this mortal putting on immortality. And he's talking about that positional victory that then we will be uh, completely, uh, uh, salvation will be completed and we will stand in victory up there. But verse 57 is there to say, hey, you don't have to look forward to heaven for victory. If you know Christ as your savior now, you are victorious now. 
You live in victory now because Jesus keeps giving victory each and every day. I'm reminded of our theme verse last year in Romans 8, 37. In all these things, we are made more than conquerors through him that loved us. That phrase, more than conquerors, it's, uh, remember the, 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 Greek preface hupo or hupus or hyper. We talked about that, someone being hyperactive. This, this conquering is hyper conquering, super abounding, super conquerors. Hey, because of Christ, you don't have to wake up tomorrow defeated. You can wake up tomorrow and know, yes, victory is coming, but I can live victorious today. Why? Because he rose from the dead. And here's what Paul says to them. Don't miss verse 57, because if you miss verse 57, verse 57, doesn't have the punch and the impact that it's supposed to. Hey, you don't have to wait for heaven to live in victory. You can live in victory now. Jesus enables you now. The Holy Spirit lives in you now. You can have victory on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. For January all the way through December, you can live in victory. Why? Thanks be to God, which giveth us or continues to give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58, therefore. Do you see the word therefore? Everybody knows it. When you see the word therefore, you got to see what it's there for. Here's what Paul is saying. Because of all of this, hey, because Jesus rose from the dead, because he was seen of over 500 people, because he was the first fruits of them that slept, because he will reign in victory one day, because he gives you hope, because he's gonna give you a new body, because of the victory that you have in Christ, because of all of this, be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding. Steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. Here's what Paul is saying to them. He's saying, since you have all of this, You can be steadfast. The word steadfast means resolutely or dutifully firm and unwavering. You can be unmovable. The word unmovable, it means secure. You can be always abounding. It means continuing forward, growing, or excelling. You can do all of that for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God rewards the work that is done for him and the work that is done for God is the only thing that lasts. Hey, church at Corinth, listen. Jesus did raise from the dead and that should stir you to practical change. That should stir stir you. It should stir Moses Lake Baptist Church. It should stir Dennis Fountain to be unshakable, to be secure and to be consistent. Refuse to change in, in your opinion and refuse to change in your belief and refuse to change in that which you hold dear and that which you hold true. Hey, refuse to change. Be, I love the word obstinate is a great definition for that word steadfast. Hey, refuse Refuse to be anything other than victorious in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've noticed, but our world is in a mess. And your family and your coworkers and your friends and your loved ones, they're wrapped up in that mess too. And too many Christians get caught up in the mess. And we get so distracted, don't we? We get distracted on life. We get distracted on sports. We get distracted on hobbies. We get distracted on work. We get distracted on on discouragements. We get distracted on trials. We We get so distracted on so many things and we forget. If you know Christ, you're victorious. You don't have to live in the world. You don't have to live, you have to be part of the system. Oh, while we live in the world, we are not of the world. That's the title of our entire series, In This World and Not Of The World. Hey, Jesus rose from the dead, so what can you do? Be steadfast. Man, I'm unshakable in my faith. Be secure. Hey, I'm secure in the purpose that God has given me. Be consistent, always abounding. 
I am gonna continue to move forward for God until the day that I see him face to face. Why? Because I have victory. Because he did raise from the dead. 2 Timothy 3, 13 and 14, Paul wrote this, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. Hey, Timothy, keep moving forward in what you know to be true. Church of Colossae, Paul said this, for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in spirit, joined and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith. As ye have therefore received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. I love how one man summarizes 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He said this, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is Paul's hymn of praise to the Lord as well as his closing admonition to the church. Because of the assurance of Christ's victory over death, We know that nothing we do for him will ever be wasted or lost. We can be steadfast in our service, unmovable in our suffering, abounding in ministry to others because we know that our labor is not in vain. Hey, because all of this is true, because change is coming, we can embrace change now. Change is coming, so embrace change now. What does that mean, pastor? Let the resurrection of Christ impact your life today. Let the resurrection of Jesus impact how you work at your workplace this week. Let the resurrection of Jesus Christ impact how you speak to your spouse this week. Let the resurrection of Jesus impact how you lead your family this week. Let the resurrection of Christ impact how you minister and serve with God's people this week. Let it impact how you speak to people about Jesus. Let it impact how you steward your time. Let it impact how you use your finances. Let it impact literally everything about your life. Let it cause you to be steadfast, to be unmovable, and to be always abounding in the work of the Lord because your labor is not in vain. If you paid attention That word vain has popped up quite a few times, hasn't it? Our preaching is vain if Jesus didn't raise from the dead. Your faith is vain. Church is vain. And then Paul ties it all together and he says, but Jesus did raise from the dead. And so you can know it's not vain. Hey, it may may seem vain some days to be consistent in your walk, but it's not. There may be some Sundays you just don't feel like going to church. It's not empty. There may be some days you just don't feel like having a right testimony at work and loving a coworker that is unlovable. Hey, it's not empty. Why? Because he did raise from the dead. The whole concept of 1 Corinthians 15 is verse 58. Since Jesus rose from the dead, it should change how you and I live. It should change how we approach the day. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and since the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened, we can live with hope, with victory, and with purpose. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.